You are listening to the Meant to Make It podcast. If you have lost income amid the COVID-19 crisis, you are tuned into the right channel. Whether you've totally lost your income or are adjusting to a decrease in your income, Meant to Make It will help you navigate this uncharted territory. You can rely on me for concrete evidence-based coaching tools that will ensure you move forward with courage, confidence, and clarity of mind. I'm your host, Holly Wright life and mindset coach. Thank you for pressing play. Now let's up level your thinking. Hey, I'm so glad you're here and listening to the Meant to Make It podcast. Here we are on episode five, which is actually a bonus carryover from episode four, which was all about understanding procrastination. And In episode four, I taught that the only reason we do or don't do something in our life is because of the way we think it's going to make us feel. I really explained with real life examples how that works. So you purchase a new item because of the way you think it's going to make you feel when you actually obtain and start to use that item. You think that you're going to feel good, therefore your brain makes that pattern, that cause and effect. And it's going to want to repeat it. The same with friendships. You meet somebody new and your thoughts about them either cause you to feel connected to them, supported by them, or they might cause you to feel awkward or irritated or something along those lines. It's your thoughts about them that create the feeling. And then your brain remembers that. So if you see that person in public again, your brain is either going to want to go and interact with them because it sees that cause and effect, it thinks you're going to feel positive, or it's going to react to try to get you to avoid them because it wants to avoid irritation or awkwardness or whatever it may be. And so I linked this to procrastination by directing you to question that When you are procrastinating doing something, you're actually avoiding a feeling that your brain thinks that you are going to have. Your brain thinks, for example, that if you go to do the dishes, that you're going to be bored. And because it has that prediction and because it's a danger scanning machine, it perceives that boredom as a threat. We don't have huge threats in our lives anymore. We don't have a threat generally for food or for clean drinking water or for shelter, but our brain is still activating that feature. So it senses the biggest danger for you is the boredom while doing the dishes. It could be with a creative project too. It doesn't just have to be chores or things around the house. It could be that you want to start writing a book or you want to start a podcast or you want to do some painting, whatever it is for you, whatever creative pursuit that you're interested in. Your brain has created a pattern that whenever you go and do that creative pursuit, that you have a feeling that's uncomfortable It may be self-doubt. That's what it often is for me. Even recording this podcast, I'll have that self-doubt. Is it good enough? Will people listen? Is it worthy of posting? Should I start again? All of those things. And obviously, those questions were all thoughts that create self-doubt. So 
you are going to have a similar kind of pattern between something that you procrastinate with and how that makes you feel initially. So once you're able to actually understand what your brain is trying to protect you from, then you're in the position to move forward. And the way that you move forward is firstly by being kind to yourself and showing self-compassion because your brain's just trying to protect you. A lot of the time we turn inward on ourselves, blame ourselves, think that we're lazy, all of those things. But really, our brain is like that protective parent that doesn't want their child to ever feel anything negative. And what I want to offer is that it's just part of the human experience. And building true self-love, self-compassion, and self-confidence comes from believing that you can feel any emotion. You can feel any of them, the whole spectrum. Any emotion you feel, you can handle it. It doesn't matter if I go to record my podcast and my brain starts telling me that I'm not good enough and that no one will listen and that I should start again and I just shouldn't bother. It doesn't matter. I can feel self-doubt. That's fine. I don't need it to go away. It can be there but I can still be all in with what I'm doing here on the podcast. I can be all in with the self-doubt. I can be all in with the self-judgment, all of it. I'm all in. And I'm also there to experience the feelings of achievement and success and motivation and all those other ones that if someone walked around with a plate of feelings and offered me to pick from that plate, I'm still getting to feel the ones that I want, the ones I want to pick. I'm just all in for the whole experience. And this is a skill that I'm going to help you to develop with some concrete tools I'm about to explain on the podcast. But before I go there, I just want to say that this is the only way to do it. We are not going to be turning off the part of our brains that scans for danger and tells us that certain activities that we need to do or want to do in our lives is going to make us feel a negative emotion. It's just not something that we're able to delete the programming for. We're not able to delete the programming that gives us this bias towards conserving energy where that laziness comes from. We can't turn it off. We can only manage it. And this is really difficult to wrap your head around because I will find myself even still wanting a new notebook. That's my thing because I think that when I have a fresh notebook with a nice cover and, you know, all of the things, a nice pen to write with that I will feel motivated And yes, that might work for a couple of times. The first few times I use that brand new notebook, I have that fresh feeling of motivation. But the truth is motivation and determination and commitment, they don't come from a notebook. They come from my thoughts. That's the only thing that can create a feeling is my thoughts. The same notebook, especially if, you're a male listening to this podcast isn't going to give you 
that feeling of motivation. I could pass it to you and say, here, this is going to cause motivation for you. And you know what's not because your thoughts about that notebook are not the same as mine. So I can create thoughts of motivation and commitment whenever I want. I don't need a notebook to do that. I am the most powerful person to create my reality. Now, don't get confused. I'm not saying that notebooks and planners are useless in keeping us organized because I don't think that's true at all. I definitely think that they play a role. But what I'm saying is just to be aware of your thinking when you are using something like that. Make sure that you're aware that the motivation is coming from your thoughts and not the book. Okay, so I'm about to start with my three step system to getting things done. And the real root of this system is that you start developing a relationship where you trust yourself. And I know that sounds a little weird, but we, when we procrastinate, develop a relationship with ourselves that we don't do the things we say we're going to do. And we need to flip that to start your brain gathering evidence that, hey, actually, sometimes or most of the time, we do do what we say we're going to do. And when that relationship changes, your self-confidence and your self-love change with it. Now, this process was based on the way that we make plans and we do things with our friends. It's a three-step. First of all, you decide, then you plan, and then you do it. That's it. Decide, plan, do. So with a friend, you'll decide on the activity. Let's say it's getting coffee. Then you plan what time and where, and the time rolls around and you do it. And you uphold that usually unless something happens. Obviously, there's circumstances where we may have to cancel. But most of the time, we uphold that because our friend is depending and expecting us to be there. So it's about shifting that relationship to be one that you also have with yourself. Now, this is how it works. The first step is to decide. And when you decide what to do, it has to be specific. So as an example, I'm going to use someone who is trying to write a book. And what I want you to avoid is putting, making your decision, write the book. Because it's not specific enough. When you sit down to write the book, you're going to experience that block straight away of where do I start? Should I go back and edit? Should I write the whole chapter? Should I research it? Should I plan it? Should I just work on the cover of the book? Should I work on pitching it to a publisher? It's not specific. So when you plan what you're going to do, you need to have the plan be a result. So at the end of the activity of writing the book, you might say, edit chapter two. That's it. Edit chapter two. So that when you sit down to actually do it, you know exactly where you need to begin. So that's the first step is to make sure your plan is actually a result Another one could be clean. It's too broad. It needs to be something like clean the kitchen, put the dishes away, wipe the counters, wipe the stovetop. 
it's a result. It'll be done. It'll be clean. Those things will be clean. Whereas if you just say clean, you immediately go into that confusion of where to start. So you can start in small steps as well, because we are building that trust with ourselves. And we, if we try and make a plan to clean the entire house and the house is a mess, we're more likely to give up and we're more likely to start damaging that relationship with ourselves. So a specific thing that you want to do that is a result. Another one could be vacuum the whole house, all bedrooms and the living room. Okay, so that's one thing. It's one result. Now, the next step is to plan when you're going to do it. So if yours was the book to sit down and I think I said edit, did I? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Edit chapter two. That's the result that you want to get. You're going to decide on a time. Let's say it's 12 o'clock. Decide on the time. And then when it comes to step three, where you actually have to do it, you are not going to want to. And that's where we run into the problem. We think that if things are planned and it feels in place and it's in a diary or a journal or a planner, that when it comes to the time that we're going to want to do it. And that's not true. It's going to get to the time And your brain is going to do the whole procrastination routine that I've talked about before. You're going to start having thoughts like, I'll do it after I watch this episode. I'll do it after I scroll through Facebook. I'll do it after I have a conversation with my partner. I'll do it after I walk the dog. Whatever it is, your brain is going to give that to you. It's actually pretty much going to throw a tantrum. It doesn't want to do it. But what you can do is be all in. Like I explained with me recording this podcast, it's like, okay, I'm going to allow those thoughts to be there, whatever they may be, that are creating the self-doubt, the irritation, the frustration, whatever it is, the boredom, and just allow it to be there and be curious about it. Why? Why what, why is it such a problem to be bored? Be curious with yourself. Go and do it. You've decided. It's not negotiable. When you're back in that planned stage, you planned the time and it's not negotiable. Of course, if there was some kind of emergency, then it's going to be negotiable. But in general, once you set that time, you set that expectation with yourself that it's a non-negotiable. It's getting done and you do it. And when you get into the habit of doing what you say you're going to do and following through on plans, it gives you that relationship with yourself that you're able to continue because your brain starts to gather evidence that we do do what we say we're going to do. And I recommend when you first start doing this that you only start with two things for a whole day, two things that you want to get done. You decide the two things you want to do, you plan when, and then you do it when the time comes to do it. And what I want to say is that it will work some of the time and some of the time it won't. And when it doesn't, 
we don't use that as a reason to beat ourselves up, a reason to gather more evidence that we don't do what we say we do. We just get really curious about it. It's like a kid who doesn't want to go to school. You ask, well, why didn't you want to do that? What happened? What's going on? And you're kind to your brain and you let it tell you what's going on, why you avoided it. And you come from that place of understanding and compassion rather than self-judgment and beating yourself up. Because it's just like when I explained it with a friend. If you made plans with a friend and they cancelled at the last minute, you could either get cranky with them or you could be curious. Like, why? What's, what's happened? Is, is everything okay? That's the way that we need to be approaching our own brains. Self-love and self-compassion. When I first started doing this, I planned two activities per day for, I think it was about three weeks before I started moving into a more specific timetable, which I'm not going to get into today because it's not relevant to this initial step of understanding and managing procrastination. But what is important is the relationship that I keep talking about. Now, what I usually suggest as well is when you're in the first phases of doing this, that you write your two goals the night before, because when we wait for the morning, we wake up and 80 to 90% of our thoughts are the same ones we had yesterday. So you're likely practicing and repeating and perpetuating a thought loop and a thought cycle that's going to be far more difficult to break than if you set the intention the night before or the afternoon before what I usually would do is kind of do it off the back of completing my second goal because then you have that drive and that sense of achievement that propels you to say well you know I did it today we're going to do it again tomorrow it is possible and there's that evidence for you And keep it all, keep the paper, keep where you wrote the goals so that you're able to look back and remind yourself your brain loves to go to the place of scanning for danger. Look, look at all the times you failed last time. We don't want to feel failure again. But if you have that evidence there to go, all right, well, you know, we can think about failure, but look at all this evidence of when we've succeeded. It just gives you that extra I guess, authority over your own mind to do the things and to perpetuate this new way of behaving in your life. That's all I have for you today about procrastination. I might do another episode in the future about my specific way that I organize my life. Um, If you have any questions or any comments or anything else that you think might be helpful, let me know. I personally personally reply to all messages on Facebook, meant to make a podcast page, or you can DM me on Instagram at Holly M. Wright. If you're listening on iTunes, please leave me a review. Would really appreciate that. And otherwise, I will see you on episode six. Stay positive and healthy. Bye.